Hello and welcome to 12 Questions with Anna Valenzuela. Oh my God, where the hell have I been? You know what? I've been focusing a lot on writing, um, just doing a lot in comedy, and of course, like a good 12-step person struggling with balance. Uh, so unfortunately, the podcast took a back seat. I apologize if you're listening right now and you have never listened to an episode of this before. I think there's a few other episodes, I think eight, nine, uh, that you can jump in on. They're pretty good. They're pretty fun. Uh, this episode is going to be with the incredible Sam Tripoli. Uh, he is a force of nature, and you're going to hear that on the podcast. I'm going to give you two episodes of this because very cleanly, we have about a 30-minute discussion about comedy up top that I felt was so valuable. I was like, you know what? Let's just break that off so people can have a little, a little dessert with their podcast meal. Um, all right, plugs. Uh, check out Sam Tripoli and Eric Myers in this incredible little animated show about folks like us uh, called Court Ordered. And I like I like how I assume that everybody who's listening to this is probably in a 12-step program. If you're not, you know, don't get offended. Whatevs. Um, I'm going to let you know about some shows I'm doing. I'll be at the OC Steelhouse on April 10th at 7 p.m. Uh, Flapper's Little Black Dress Show in Burbank on April 14th. And that'll be at 8 p.m. And then I'll be at the Broke LA Festival. It's my first festival. This is my very first festival. I'm so excited. And uh, that's going to be on April 23rd uh, at 5.30 p.m. Anyway, you should just get tickets to this event because who can afford Coachella anyway? You know what I mean? It's cool. There's bands. There's lots of great comics. I'm super honored to do it. Uh, if you want to reach out to me, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Anna with two N's. Anna V is fun. That is Anna V is fun on Twitter and Instagrams. Uh, you can also, if you just want to send me an email, if you have somebody you think I should interview, if you think it would be a cool interview and you're in some kind of 12 step capacity, I would love to talk to you. Go ahead and email me at Anna V comedy at gmail.com. I have never received an email there. So, um, <laughs> We can we can check that out. Uh, yeah. So let's do this. Thanks. Bye. Yeah, I love that. You ready for some uh, tw- twelve questions? Whatever you, you want. Ready for this? Yeah. Okay. How do you experience surrender on a daily basis? How do I s- experience surrender on a daily basis? Uh great question. And that's a I I am internally at battle with this, like to be able to let go, you know. And I I fight it daily. Uh, I you know I I try to meditate. I don't do it enough to claim that I do it enough. Okay. You know, and uh, I hit a meeting. I call friends. I reach out. To me, I love to reach out and help people and talk to people. And help the newcomer, and that's kind of what I do. That's kind of how I get away. I I get out of my head by helping other people, and I try to make a call to somebody, you know, on a daily basis. Call my sponsor. I do all that stuff. That's awesome. That's kind of, yeah. That's kind of how I do it. Okay. What's been the most insane moment in and out of recovery? The most insane moment in recovery. The most insane moment out of recovery. Um, the most insane moment of reco- uh, uh, in recovery, the most insane moment, just seeing 
friends fall. Hmm. Well, you know what, man? Within the last three years, since 2012, I've lost 16 friends and acquaintances to either cancer, drug abuse, or heart ailments, a a lot of drug and alcohol. Uh, That's an insanity. Seeing friends who get it, lose it, that's insanity. Seeing people who can't get it, no matter how far they go down, that is insanity to me. In sobriety, that's in sobriety. Outside sobriety is, I mean, like, you know, my relapse have been, like, brutal. You know, just, like, what are we doing? You know, crying, driving. I've driven to, you know, the drug dealer's house crying to not do it. And it's just, like, it's, like, cunning, baffling, you know, and you're powerless against it and you have to understand that. And it's like the key now is not putting myself in those positions where, right. I, you know, it's like it's just the insanity of, of using and abusing. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. Is there any wrong answers? Nope. <laughs> okay. <laughs> nope. There's no wrong answers. It's it's every, you know, I there's some questions I always ask, some questions I don't always ask, yeah. you know, and I think it's important. Everybody's going to have a different way they live this. And you, know, you know what's insane? I was telling my friends the other day is like buying drugs from your drug dealer and he pulls the drugs out of his asshole and you still do the drugs. Yeah, you put that, that in your body. Yeah. You you're like, this makes sense. You're like anything else in the motherfucking world. You would say, please don't give me that thing from your asshole. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like if he pulled a, a, a dollar bill uh-huh. to do coke, but the coke wasn't from his ass, but the dollar bill was from his asshole that he wanted you to do coke with, you wouldn't do the, you yeah. wouldn't use the dollar bill. But if the coke is from his asshole, you would still fucking do the totally. cocaine. How hilarious is that? It's insane. It's hilarious. It's funny. It's ridiculous. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's crazy. It's crazy. I know. We're- I've seen my, I, I, you know, it's like, I still see my drug dealer driving on his bike. And like, I'm so blessed that just like, that guy's bad news. Yeah. And he's not a bad guy. It was very interesting. Like, I had a yeah. nice drug dealer. Yeah. I didn't have an asshole drug dealer. He was the nicest guy. And you're just like, ah, oh, can't deal with you. And you know, and it, you know, when I would go to him, man, it's just, he'd pull it right off his ass. And he was biking. So it's sweaty butt drugs. <laughs> Sweaty butt drugs. DOC, sweaty butt drugs. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's what I'm into. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking horrible, but right? But did he pull it out of his ass? Because that's really. <laughs> he gets in there, dude. He's doing some digging. <laughs> he it. is black, so it could be deep behind some big black balls. So, I mean, like, he may be having to go deep inside there, but it's like, uh, that's where I assume he was getting it from. Damn. Yeah. Love that. Do love that. <laughs> what, um,. What's been his, did you have any difficulty with like turning your will and your life over to something else? No, I've always been pretty spiritual and uh, I've always felt everything was connected, you know, and that's why I believe to a point karma in karma. I don't necessarily believe in instant karma. I just don't think the world works like that, but I think karma comes in different forms. So I've never had a problem with that. There's something out there that I always have to watch once in a while, two things. Uh, I love Carl Sagan's Pale Blue Dot. Yeah. I could watch that a million times. <laughs> like, you're so right. You're so right. It's so correct. It's like we're just a speck of shit on a fucking rock hurling through cold space, you know? But that doesn't mean like everything isn't connected. I know it sounds weird, but like to fight over something 
to the point you like destroy your planet and you're just like this little thing. With that said, I do believe that we are in We are, um, everything's connected. There's something called Neil deGrasse Tyson has a great video called, uh, the most extraordinary fact. And it's this great video. And I play every once in a while on my podcast. Cause I just think people need to hear it. And it's just like about how he, he, he feels that like, the the matter that was created at the at the beginning of the universe and time and all that stuff is in in all of us and like yeah. instead of us making it small it makes us big because we're part of a bigger thing and I really do believe in that we're all part of a bigger thing and that you know sobriety has brought a lot of compassion in my life because I've seen a lot of people you know you see people who are born with two strikes against them just try to struggle in the world you know and it's just like. I just don't, ju- you know, so it's really opened my heart to that. So like higher power stuff doesn't matter. I, I think people have problems with organized religion and that's fine too. Right. I mean, that's, that's totally fine. I mean, I can see why people be, could be turned off by it because at the end of the day, you have human beings basically right. telling you what something much bigger than they are, what they're thinking. It's like the dumbest shit in the world. Right, right. And that's my opinion. Okay. Uh, what, what have you discovered about yourself in your sobriety that was a total surprise to you? Um, What have I discovered in myself that's a total surprise to me? It's like, I didn't know I was a nice person for a long time. I had no idea. I think uh, that people love me. Yeah. Which was a weird thing because I'm very paranoid going, going back to everybody thinking about me, everybody thinking I'm an asshole. And, you know, I think people like me. I just think you know sometimes i might have uh had a different view of what love was you know okay and like my expectations of love i i'm i'm really bad at that where like i expect people to honor a contract they never signed you know Ooh, what i'm saying i like that i do that a lot i care about you therefore you have to reciprocate it yeah the way i did this for I you demand. so you got to do this for me yeah. even though we never discussed it and i get mad when you don't do it yeah and not that i do favors for favors but you know when I when I help somebody else out and then they'll help me back, gets my feelings hurt and it it's 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 really fucked me up in this town of Los Angeles because you you know you meet people on their journey to where they're going and sometimes you help people out and in L A it's very hard because everybody's so narcissistic. Like I hate when people say L A. By the way, it's Hollywood. Hollywood. Yeah. Los Angeles is is a awesome place. Incredible. Downtown, the valley, Ooh, the yeah. beaches. Eagle Rock, Silver Lake, they're all like incredible areas with their own kind of personalities and vibes and they're really fun to, you know, go. But Hollywood is where everybody is kind of these like narcissistic monkeys all show up and everybody's just doing the best they can. I really do believe that because they're just, everybody's just trying to make it in this, in this world of no rules. There are no rules. Yeah. One of my favorite conversations that we've had is one time you said that, you know, the young comics don't really appreciate you. And it was such a delight to share with you how my 22 year old friend in comedy saw you in the comedy store, turned and went, that's Sam Tripoli and started hopping up and down in his seat like a two year old. (laughs) And that was very nice of me too. It's just weird when you walk to like a comedy club and they're like, who are you? I'm like, I'm Sam Tripoli. Like, was it? I'm like, okay, I get it, man. You know, it's in it's just like you know, going back to my uh, drug abuse. It's like I, I partied for seven years, man, and why you know why why a lot of people were going out and going to work and 
doing business. I was like, I was trying to set the score in a game, a high score in a game that nobody cared about. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, I used to, th- you know, I used to think it was all about like the crazy, you know, just like being a rock star. And it's such not about that. Right. It's actually in this town in comedy. It's almost the opposite of that. It's yeah. like. But that's comedy. That's like the weirdest thing because comedy is so interesting because especially the business of comedy and comedy clubs, they're, they, they're the only ones that, that kind of run away from the standard of promotion right now, which is just train wreck, crazy chaos. Like the crazier you get, the more eyeballs you have on me. Like I just had a huge meltdown on my friend Jason Tebow on our podcast, Punch Drunk. I oh, had a flip out. I shut. I grabbed my computer and I stormed out. We never got more Twitter responses and li- and, and yeah. listings to our podcast than ever because people flock to that. The moths love the flame, you know. But or do you think they're flocking to a real moment? Hey, there is that. I think there's that, such a search for authenticity, and that kind of cheat code to that sometimes is is pain. I would I I understand that, but I think that there's all I think there is some truth to that. But then there are people who discovered patterns and have learned to manipulate that as trying to create a moment as being honest and genuine when right. it's manufactured. Yeah. And I, you see that a lot in television, a lot. Of, and it's just like let's, the Kardashians, let's take, regardless of what you ever think of them, what you think of them, they are the Michael Jordan of publicity they know how to milk a moment how to get all eyeballs on them you know it's like when kim kardashian broke the internet like regardless of what you think Mm -hmm. of that and her and that ass people couldn't stop talking about including me which that ass completely played in my monkey dna it was just like caveman sam smash like i couldn't stop staring at it it's like but they were just so good at how they did, and there's a there's an understanding of that. Whereas the comedy clubs are the exact opposite, where they run from that and they run from the chaos and the, people talk about bad shit. And like, if you do a room full of 300 people and five people are upset, like that's a bad thing. It's not a bad thing. That's fine. It just means those five people just didn't get it. Didn't get it. I once um, I was at a at a 12 step convention, and the comedy the comedy act was George Carlin. It was before he died. It's like 2005. And he walked half a stadium and we just moved all the way up. I was like, you're wrong. All of you are wrong. This is amazing. This man is not going to live forever. Shut up. Enjoy the master. Enjoy it. It Can I ask you, where did he stand on the stage? Do you remember? Because I saw him at the comedy store and I, I was so blown away by... How far? I wish I would enjoy that moment back. more. Like this, the stool wasn't center; it was sort of to the probably stage left, and a little further back than usual. And he didn't move from about five to ten feet from that radius. It just sort of stayed there in his pocket where he was comfortable. Occasionally, he would pace when he could kind of tell that the room was uncomfortable with you know in texas with some molestation jokes you know oh yeah and and so he would kind of get a little agitated but other than that he you're right he was a little further back i I, that was what blew me away is how Mm. far away from the front of the stage he was but how powerful of a performer are you aware that you are that you can kind of be because i get right up to the i wish i would have enjoyed him more i had such an ego back then i was such a fucking bull (laughs) 
you know, I just when I would watch great comics, I'd like I gotta get out of here. I gotta go to work. You know, if anything, that's a great. I think my dad gave me was a a work ethic. You know, and it's just well, the question is, do you work smart? It's more about working smart than working hard. I think it's work hard, but work smart. You know. Yeah. And I wish I would enjoy. Like I wish I could have enjoyed Carlin more. Like I saw, it was really cool, man. I've seen some great comics, and I saw Robin Williams. I saw. Dave Chappelle at the height of his Whoa. power there, which was, I'm like, this is what it must have been like to watch Richard Pryor. You just see somebody get to that level, and it's just like, oh my god, it's just like it. It was fun to watch. That's amazing, Carlin. I wish I would have seen Carlin at a, a, a convention. I love conventions. AA rooms are de- AA to me is so interesting because. The rooms are just like the shows, whereas like AA is fun. Once in a while, you get a really sensitive crowd that has like they've churned so far from their crazy using days. Yeah. They almost overcompensate. It's like the Mm anti-gay Republican who's found like cross-dressing, you know, and it's just like this weird kind of. Right. You know, Mm -hmm. then you go to NA or CMA or any of those meetings and they're just like, we don't give a fuck. (laughs) We shot heroin in our dick. You can say whatever you want. And those are my favorite. <laughs> that's awesome that's actually yeah i i really want to do an na room i really there was a there was really for a while there were there. some really great nna na rooms but i don't know what happened to them well we'll find them we'll find, we'll them. find them somewhere we'll out there and also i want to tell you side note my the the recovery community i i got clean in up in san luis obispo when i started this i got a bunch of messages about do you listen to punch drunk yeah because we're all into that so all the way up 200 miles away you, you've got a ton of fans so they're gonna know all about the uh <laughs> the big meltdown the big meltdown how yeah. are you guys doing now you guys doing better we had a big discussion on it and uh you know it, it wasn't about a phone call it was about you know 15 years of relationship and without getting into it Tebow and I have been best friends forever we've been working together forever and it was just a culmination of uh, his, uh, uh our feelings for each other and we had a big talk about it and it went well and good. we're good and it is what it is you know and it's just is what it is and Ari enjoys irritating me on that show and I realize it and sometimes I play into it and sometimes I just keep moving so it's just an interesting dynamic i'm very blessed that i get paid to talk sports which is a blessing yeah it's fun i love it i mean like i love doing it i love doing it i got really upset that i got an avalanche of negativity from people i've been doing a show for free for four years yeah and you're like and i get the internet and there's like always gonna be trolls but it's like what are you guys doing i give you this for free Right. This, Why you, podcasting yeah. takes time and energy. It does. It Take does. Especially if you it's got, like you're a home cooked situation. You got to edit it, engineer it. You're doing the you doing the whole thing, and and you got to hope to get big enough that someone will give you a couple bucks. Hopefully. And it's like people don't realize there's like a like I think they did a number eight million podcasts. Eight million podcasts. But how beautiful is that? Like what a democracy of information and ideas. One hundred percent. That's so beautiful. At 100%. If you just grind, you put out a good thing. It's like, what episode is this? Uh, eight to 10, somewhere in there. We're yeah. going to, I like to keep, I like to record four episodes. Like I have four episodes ahead of this one. So I like to keep a backlog and then just so the, shoot them out that the way. The number is that if you get past, most podcasts don't get past 10 episodes. Really? Really? Because I had six in the can when I started. 
So that was my, that was, and that was David Taylor. If it wasn't for, okay, I'm going to say this. If it wasn't for David Taylor, I probably wouldn't be a comedian. He told me I was a comic before I knew I was a comic. What were you hanging out at the comedy store? Yeah. Just hanging out. And I told him, hey, I really like, I really liked your set. I was the only person, I was like, I was kind of fucking up what he does because I found it infinitely funny from start to finish and I was in the front row. I should have been in the back with the comics. I didn't know it. Dave is very misunderstood. Oh, yeah, but he likes that. He plays into that. He fosters that, right? He is a, he's, <laughs> a, he's a brilliant mind. So brilliant. And he's mm-hmm. laser sharp. Incredible. And I, I walked up to him. I said, hey, man, I thought your set was funny. He said, you're a comic. I said, no, I'm not. And he said, yes, you are. Only comics think I'm funny. <laughs> and I was like, no, I'm not a comic. And he said, yes, you are. And then just, you know how he does, just sort of like disappeared into the ether. Yeah. And then six months later, I was doing comedy. That's great. Yeah. And then he walked me through how to do a podcast. Sobriety and stand-up go very well together. If you can stay sober while doing it, meaning that it forces you to deal with your sobriety Mm -hmm. and it gives you something to do. And and it's just like, I remember the first joke I ever wrote sober. It was about how in the movies now all the zombies are fast. You know, before they were so, (laughs) it was like getting chased by old people. Now all the zombies are fast and... I remember when I wrote that, I'm like, oh man, that's the first joke I wrote sober. And so, Aww. and it was such a good joke. And uh, it was a big moment. Because awesome. you're like, oh, I could do this. Because this notion as an artist is that we have to, um, we have to be fucked up to produce uh, a great art. And it's, you just had to be fucked up when you produced art. Well, I mean, it- you could have produced it without it. You just had to be fucked up when it happened. So you correlate the two. And the interesting thing about being clean and sober long enough to have been emotionally, mentally, or whatever, spiritually, behaviorally fucked up, it, but not get loaded. That I mean, that's been the weird thing is like having those moments where it's like there's still a whole lot of roller coaster I can jump on. And um, I don't have to, and every day I have to choose not to. Right. You know, because eventually you ride that roller coaster long enough, you're drinking and using. That's yeah. It. I mean, but you go into a barbershop, eventually you're gonna get your hair cut. Word. So, um, and that's been it's it's weird how I, I find the comedy community and the recovery community have a lot of behavioral similarities. I sort of looked at it like anthropology at first. You know what else you can throw in there? Pornography. Pornography. Porn and comedy are so really. Com- we, our business models are 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 uh, uh, just everything is so similar. Oh. It is mind blowing. Really, from even the point of that, we're consistently undercutting each other. That nobody can make any money because everybody's undercutting, undercutting, undercutting and we're just getting replaced by these like twenty-two year olds who are just you know going through the motion for you know fifty cents on the dollar. It's just like go. it's the same kind of thing. That's so interesting. Uh, if I list all the qualities of a comedian and all the qualities of an adult film star and didn't label them, you'd have a you'd have a hard problem trying to differentiate pick which one's which that could be a new board game yeah or a new show porn star or comedian (laughs) that's funny it's very true oh my gosh what um what's your level of honesty today both self and cash register and everywhere what do you think Oh, I, I think I'm a way more, I mean, like I'm not 100% honest and I'm slowly trying to get there. You know, I had a big moment at a, recently at a meeting where I was asked to share and I said some stuff that I only said there, but it was the first time I ever said out loud yeah. to anybody. And that was kind of freeing and scary all at the same time. 
So I, I try, I'm trying to be me more than I can be, you know, as much as I can be as I, and I would get more and more honest as I get more and more comfortable with it. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of stuff about me that is chaotic and crazy and it's, you know, secret shit that, you know, who I am and what I've done and where I go and what I, what I am that I'm not ready 100% to tell the entire world all of it all the time. And, you know, so I kind of like have a couple people here. I discuss uh, about my, you know, my, my using and my abusing and all that stuff. And, uh, you know, eventually someday I'll be 100% honest, but I also don't know if everything about me needs to be 100% broadcast to everywhere in the world, you know? Mm -hmm. And you're just like, what do you care? I can tell certain things, say certain things, do certain things. I don't need to, it doesn't need to be broadcast, you know, as long as it's shared with a fuck another human being, that's all the requirement, I guess, is. Yours mm-hmm. only as dark as your secrets. Right, right. That's kind of where I'm, well, what I'm saying. Right. Okay. Um, how do you experience fear and anxiety? But not well. I, uh, you know, I, uh, anxiety is so interesting. Last night I was doing a show and it's just like, I can't. Like half the reason I want to be famous is, you know, obviously the money would be great. The (laughs) biggest thing is just like being able to walk up on stage when you get there. Like literally the only part of comedy I don't like is waiting to go up. It's a tremendous time commitment. And I'm usually, because I don't drink, I don't do drugs. Yep. All I really have left now is caffeine. Mm -hmm. And I love it. And sometimes I drink too much of it because mm-hmm. it's all I got to drink. Yeah. And I sometimes I just get so amped when I'm there and I got to do like laughs. People are like, you're going to be fine. I'm like, that's not it. I just want to get on stage. I just, because yeah. I'm so, you know, and that's, that's it. So the anxiety of like, uh, just life, I, I just talk to myself a lot when I'm just like in a very anxious moment, just tell myself it's going to be okay and get through it. And I pray to God and I, I just get through it. Fear is you know, fear is everything day to day. You know, it's just like, what is the fear? What's the degree of fear? And I kind of just, I take a step back and I just kind of look at what the fear is. And mostly is, am I in control of that fear? Right. Can I do anything to change the situation? And most of the time I can't. And therefore it's like, you know, a really freeing thing is that I got, I get to the point where I say, you know what? I'm going to do my best. And sometimes your best just isn't good enough. But that doesn't mean you're not good enough. Just means that time it wasn't good enough. And that that's okay. Nobody has bat a thousand in baseball ever. No one's hit every ball. Nobody's won every game. The Golden State Warriors are are doing a pretty good job of it this season. But, you know, nobody's going to go, maybe, but nobody's going to go through 82 games go undefeated. Nobody goes undefeated. Everybody has an off night. Doesn't mean, you know, it's like when I was first doing comedy, I used to get so many standing O's. And then as the comedy got more and more personal, they go away a little bit, Not you know, and because it goes back to kind of what I'm talking about, the drug abuse, like people want honesty about certain things, you know, and some things they, they label as just, I don't know, fratish or sophomoric or whatever it is when, you know, it's just like, that's my reality. So I think people appreciate, but sometimes when you're so honest, they're like, Oh my God, that was so honest. You know? 
So if I don't get these humongous explosions of sounds like laugh grenades going off all the time, that uh, sometimes um, I beat myself up really bad after the fucking uh, after the set, you know, and I just like, why wasn't that good enough? Why wasn't that good? Enough? And it's like sometimes it's like you just did the best you could. Sometimes you walk into Vietnam. Yeah. When you walk into a Vietnam of comedy, you're not gonna get like you know. OR Comedy Store Original Room 11 at night on a Saturday, Saturday. which is the best spot in Los Angeles. Just boom, Mm -hmm. you know, laugh, laugh. You're not, you're not always going to get that. And you have to accept that. Sometimes just getting through it is the best that can be done at that moment. And you have to accept that and be okay on yourself. What you just said is so important. Like, it's so important. I wish I could. I, I was at a mic last night and a kid didn't use all his time. He was like, well, this is all I can do. He shrunk under the pressure. And the host said, it was, it was Jay and Frank. They went up and they were like, hey, man, that is exactly how you should be doing right now. I don't know if you know this. It's 1230 in the belly room on a Wednesday. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's you're supposed to eat a dick right now. Yeah. And then he followed it up with, but then do your best to not suck anymore. Yeah. You know, like, and that's what went wrong. It's so important to know that. And it's the same thing. I hear that in the rooms. I'll hear a woman with 30 years struggle about having issues with food or her relationship or her body or her children or her whatever and how it affects her recovery. And it gives me so much hope, not because I want to aspire to be her darkest moment, but because she's still doing the work. Yeah. And that gives me hope. And what you just said is one of those moments that's like a new comic, like, hey, that guy still feels the exact same thing. All the time. We feel getting off stage when it doesn't go to our expectations. When there isn't a little bit of fear of the crowd, I think you're in a bad place comically. I've seen people walk up and when they don't give a fuck, there's a different, like, that guy doesn't give a fuck. And then there's like, that guy just doesn't give a yeah, the he just diff- doesn't care. I guess it's don't give a fuck versus doesn't care. When you yeah. don't care what the crowd thinks, that's not a good place to be. And I've right. seen it just, you know, when you're not like ha- have this thing where like, I, I hope these guys like me. I hope I'm going up with the intention of making these people laugh. You know, even if it's like I'm working on new shit and you guys got to go with this. Like, but I hope the real thing yeah. is I hope this new shit you like. Yeah. But the truth is, I have to go through this new shit to find out what you guys like. It's true. And I love the vulnerability of a comic coming up and saying that. Like, hey, guys, this is new. You want to go on a ride with me? Let's go on a yeah, ride. Yeah, 100%. Because you may never hear it again like that. Yeah. Before, in, in we're, okay, so before even starting comedy, before even really getting ups, like obsessed with seeing it live, I had always been obsessed with it. You know, albums, I had a lot of albums. My mom used to, we used to go on road trips and she would, um, she, and she would just play album after album after album. And her tastes were so broad. They were anywhere from blue collar tour to like prior to Carlin to Bill Hicks. I've been wild about Bill Hicks since I was like 10 years old. Just, and how that's not what you play for a 10 year old, but my mom, she didn't care. She didn't edit. She was using, she didn't give a shit, but it was kind of wonderful. I got to share in that world with her. And then my sponsor and I had a conversation about liking comedy. And you know, when you have that conversation, you're like, what's this person going to say? Cause you're not sure if they're going to like the same stuff you do. She liked it. She, we, all our check boxes were the same. same. Exactly. That's cool. And so she bought for, um, for Pat Oswald's new album. He was doing these workshop shows at the Lar- Largo. She bought two tickets to every single one. Wow. Yeah. 
and we went together because her husband wouldn't go with her. So we went together and it was this weird crash course and watching new material be born, change jokes that didn't work together, stuff like watching the way the special was was being formulated and then watching it on TV. Yeah. It was like taking a class. It was very strange. All before I even had the inclination to even do the it. It was best beautiful. Education of comedy is the blessing of being able to watch Bill Burr work new material because he does it the way you're supposed to do it which is not all this is going to be good well i wouldn't say now that that's not good because i think he understands his point of view so it starts out as oh that's strong he has a strong point of view yeah so it's whether people get it or not you know what i'm saying like and i've seen him have not have the crowd with him and that's fucking fine yeah that's fine now not everybody's at Bill Burr's level so they can go up there and do 50 minutes of people staring at him. You know, not that he does that, but you know, it's like yeah. have, it, have a weird set. But you have to work through it. That's half the blessing of why I am happy that I go later on at the comedy store because the suits are all gone. Yeah. The, the booker is- 1215, man. Yeah. <laughs> Let me work on this new shit. I love that. That's Let me work on it. And that's what I've been doing. I, that's what I just do because I'm constantly trying to, you know, my, for my for me, the hardest part of my act is the opening. Like I said at the beginning of this, like what joke can I get them on board with like this? And it's, oh, you know, I, I have this one, but I've been using it for so long that I'm just like, ugh, <laughs> I wanted something new to open with. The rest of the hour is great. It's like a, you know, it's brand, it's like an, a year and a half old hour I have right now, like in terms of everything that's going with it, and it's constantly growing and into new shit, you know, but it's just that opening is always the hardest for me. So I'm always trying to find a new opener. I'm willing to bet now that you're like saying it and really articulating it. I mean, not that this is the first time, but now that since you're kind of owning that that's what you want, it's going to happen. Like if you're seeking that, it's going to appear yeah. for sure. Yeah, I appreciate that. I'm well, the whole thing is just like I, I my brain is crazy, so I just I'm always writing. Everything I write about, you know, everything that happens to me, I try to turn into a joke. And then hopefully the joke you can find something that's a good like boom boom boom, you know, just yeah. like open open open, you know. I have this opening joke about going to Los Angeles living in LA and it's so bad and I just go uh and then I just have this whole thing about watching girls jog at night and like why do they still do that? Yes. And I kind of get, and they always get to laugh and it gets me, it gets the ball rolling, you know, yeah. but I want to get a more personal opening, like something more about me. And I have some jokes about, you know, just, I, I look creepy when I walk on stage and all this vibe. And some people are like, you just do that because you kind of belittle yourself. So people are like, I go, no, I, I know the vibe that people are staring. <laughs> I've been doing this long enough to know what people are thinking that, you know, I'm up against fuzzy warm fuzzy people which is fu- i'm not up against them but like there's a lot of that you know and it's just like i i i walk on stage with this kind of not that i'm i have dark energy but this like you don't know who i am when i walk up interesting you know there's like i i could almost tell you as people walk up what their jokes are going to be about like with me i don't think you could do that maybe i'm wrong but i walk up people are like who, who, they're trying like you know it's like you ever see when uh on like Homeland, they're running a face on a computer, and there's yeah. like, and there's all these trying you know, people are trying to figure out what type of style, you know, a fat Mexican guy. Oh, I get, uh, they don't know what it is, you know. But that maybe that's just 
me overthinking it, but I've just over time I've just know. learned that. So yeah, I'm trying to think of what my first impressions were, but I have to again. I have to get back to like. Uh, I got clean in meetings where there were 20 Harleys out front that looked like Sons of Anarchy and extras parties. Right. So the thing is, is I, the, the, the look I've seen before, right? But I'm not going to be afraid of, of, of a, a guy with like real, you've got like, you've got big male energy, big you know, <laughs> you're like you're, you got big, you got fucking big dude energy. Yeah. Like, yeah you know, like, like you're not to be fucked with. You know, but at the, the you, same know what, time, you know what comedy really likes a fatal flaw. People love when you walk up, you got a fatal flaw. What's your fatal flaw? Not a fatal flaw, but a flaw. There's a flaw yeah. in there that you can discuss, and some people manufacture the flaw by talking about it. You know, it's right. like, oh my god, you don't know how hard it is to be a woman. And you're like, you're a white girl who's 24. You are literally the most pampered species on the planet. You. <laughs> Since you grew fucking fur on your snatch, everybody's been doing whatever they can to make you happy. But I know in your world, because because the truth is, until everybody's a billionaire, people are going to complain about how hard it is for their them oh, to yeah. make it. It's just the way it is, you know. It's so hard for a girl to make it a con- And maybe if you've had this conversation, I'm not necessarily talking about you, but oh, just no, like no, no, the no. notion of it's no. so hard to be a woman in comedy. You it's know like- why I don't have that conversation? Because I don't want to be a good good as a woman in comedy. I don't want to master being a woman in comedy. I want to be a That's a great comic. point. And there's some people <laughs> who just don't get that. And there are comics. Yeah. Maria Bamford, Whitney Cummings, uh, I mean, there's uh, the Christina Pajinsky, Sarah mm-hmm. Tiana. They're like, they're murderers. And it's like, they're not murderers. Leslie Jones is, to is I've followed everybody at the comic store, one of the hardest human beings to follow. Mm-hmm. Can I see if my parking's gone? And I'll be yeah, right back in sure. two seconds. And we're back. Okay. So, uh, okay. Do you have any defects that you miss? Anything you've surrendered that you're, uh, you miss? I like that face. Wow. I need surrender. Um, maybe not giving a fuck anymore. I don't know, man. I, you know, I like who I am. I mean, without being like exactly like David Taylor's bit, but I like I used to be. I used to be great at fucking on coke, but that's about it. That's about <laughs> it. I don't know if that's a character defect, but that was it. I don't really miss it because I don't. Oh, I don't miss. It. I'm so glad I don't do cocaine anymore. I can't stand that drug. It's so stupid. And just in life, it's just like, you know, using and abusing in your life is like, uh, it's like going to a restaurant. You know, the more you abuse, the more you eat. The more you eat, the bigger your tab goes up. Yep. But eventually, you have to pay that tab. Right. You have to pay that tab. Well, and- you're gonna find things too. My my experience has been like, there. Uh, a friend of mine says everything's better in recovery. Um, the food tastes better. The winds, the winds are bigger. The losses are harder. The yeah. sex is better. She's just like she lists it all. Like everything is felt with more um, intensity and clarity than you can ever imagine. Like you know what I do, man. I like li- listen. Uh, I'm at an age where it's just like you know I did so I, I partied. I used to party so much, and the sex was so crazy that now I'm just like. You know, I'd like to get a burrito and go to bed. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's, that's like, you know, just like I love, like, sleep is so Isn't fun. it great? Like, and it's just such a great feeling to mm-hmm. sleep the whole time. Like, they'll go to bed and like, whoa, it's fucking eight in the morning. I 
didn't wake up 19 times wondering what the fuck was going on and i slept the whole whole way through nice that's beautiful so uh, what do i miss i miss fucking in cars that's what i miss <laughs> you could probably still do that yeah but it you doesn't fu- it's not what it used to be fucking car. in cars used to be the best I don't know, it's just, when you get older, like, everything's about in- investment and, like, long-term plans. <laughs> like, you know, the days of, uh, you know, bump and dump and go, or, or like, it's over. No, it's not over, but <laughs> I'm also not looking for that, but it just, I was thinking the other day, it's like, you know, car fucking just, it's not happening like it used to. I'm here to tell you it can. That's great. Are you Mexican? <laughs> yes. Yeah, Mexicans love fucking cars. <laughs> I don't know what it is, but some of my best fucks in cars were with Mexican girls. They're just the next level. Oh, that's fun. Okay. Uh, How do you experience forgiveness? You know, man, what I really do is I try to, uh, you know, when I talk to people, I really try to talk to people. You know, I just had this thing with a friend of mine that we just got in this big fight. And and for three days, he was just in my head. And I was just like, God damn it. And just in my head. And then he called me and I was like, oh, I don't want to answer. I don't want to answer. You know, it's Ugh. like, even though I couldn't stop yeah. thinking about them and murdering them, mm-hmm. you know, and then like, but then I answered. I'm like, what's up? And like, we talk, I talk about it. I hear their point of view, you know, and I, I'm not afraid to admit I'm wrong. And then we have a discussion and, you know, if they're like, I'm sorry, then I think you just got to forgive people because I would hate for people not to forgive me. Yeah. You know, and I, as I get older and as I get lo- my sobriety lasts longer, I, I always get, oh my God, you're so grown up now. You're so mature, which makes me think I, I must have been a fucking savage back in the day. And it's just like, which sucks because... You know, some people you want to work with business-wise might have interpreted shit you did the wrong way. But at the end of the day, it's like, there's nothing you could do about that. Yeah. It's really out of your hands. Yeah. That's all just good. keep marching forward. And then, you know, when it comes to other people, just the air is human, man. It really is true. And it's just like, someone makes a fucking mistake, you got to apologize. And you apologize. That's all you can do. Whether people accept it or not, there's nothing you could do about that. What's been your most interesting amends you've had to make? I had to make a, an amends to people who I would rather have pushed in front of a bus than make amends to. But I, I, there's been two amends that stick out. One was a, a guy who is kind of a big name comic who uh, one time at the Laugh Factory tried to tell everybody I was stealing his jokes and he tried to embarrass me in front of everybody. And this was many moons ago, many, many moons ago. And, uh, I, I wanted to fucking go crazy on him. And then I saw him at a comedy show called Dublin's that used to be very big out here. And I haven't, and uh, I confronted him and they got my face. And then I, I, I told him I would literally beat the fuck out of him. And, you know, and it weighed on me and we never got along. We always had this bumping of the heads, bumping of the heads. And then he, uh, and I went to make an amends to him, even though he called me out on the shit. And he was like, you know what? I, li- I like that. I like that when people admit when they make mistakes, uh, you know, they're willing to man up. And I'm like, what a piece of shit. But then I realized that like, it's not about their reaction to it. Yeah. It's about you cleaning your backyard, you getting it off your chest and all that stuff. And 
And then one time I made an amends recently to a guy, an, a, a man named Bruce. Bruce owned a, 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 a restaurant in Vegas I worked at called Boogie's Diner. And Boogie's Diner was this amazing diner because like it was like a, a, a classic 50s diner. And then the lower, there was two floors and the, like kind of the lower level wasn't two floors, but a lower f- level floor was like this high-end clothing store with the most gorgeous women I've ever seen and been able to wear. I mean, just stunning human beings, you know? I- I'm not going to get too descriptive of some of the jokes I used to do with them, but I mean, just gorgeous. And uh, Boogie's Diner filed bankruptcy and they were closing and people were just leaving in droves and everyone's grabbing it. There was this Samuel Adams beer sign that I wanted, and I just one day I just grabbed it and walked right out, and I went to the Hollywood party and all this shit, and he never said anything to me, and I just always regretted doing that because he was such a nice man. So through a bunch of people, through I don't care what people say about Facebook, I love it, yeah, because it's like when you realize it's not like a, a promotional tool, but it's just friends and family like i always say facebook is home twitter instagram is the office you use Love those it. to promote your stuff your people your blah blah like yeah. you know for me facebook is connection with friends and families from over the years and i met some people from boogie star they passed me passed me passed me and i i find this guy i'm like oh my god i've been waiting so long to talk to this dude i called him i i go listen this is gonna be so weird you know i'm sober now I got sober. I was a fucking real asshole back then. I did you wrong. I stole your Samuel Adams beer sign. I want to make financial restitutions to you. He goes, dude, it's all good. We were all crazy back then. Consider it fucking done. You don't mean anything. It was awesome. It was such a weight lifted. Hmm. And that's, yeah, so that was it. Those are the two. So they were both two different kind of things. They both, but at the end of the day, it's like me cleaning my end of the thing right and letting people go man it's just you gotta let people go it's like if you take everything personal in this town you're just you're gonna go crazy and you just got them it's on to the next one yeah totally so how do you maintain this thing on a daily basis i'm blessed that i i can go to uh meetings I love meetings. I yeah, hear people bitch too. about them. I love them because I have a crippling social anxiety. So I can uh, I can just hang out and I'm really laid back and it's like yeah. I can stay and, you know, I can talk to people because those meetings are the easiest places to meet, you know. Mm-hmm. And I think the darker your disease, the, the more loving yep. the program is. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's like some of the drug, you know, 12 step programs I go to are even more loving than, yeah. you know, the drinking one. Yeah. And I think the drinking one's very nice, but I think the other ones are just so understanding, you know? Yeah. And it's just like, it's so nice to be able to talk to people and just like, uh, you know, the biggest thing is just like talking to people about stuff. And I always feel like I'm bothering people when I call people and just to learn that, you know, it's not, you can't do it alone. Anything, everything in life is done with groups, especially in, in Hollywood. Groups rise to find a group yep. who work as hard as you do. And rise is like very important to find out what they call fellowship is very important. Yeah. We should all be pushing each other forward in life. Yeah. You know, and you just, and you just got to understand that sometimes not everybody's going to play, 
play according to the playbook and you know you can't expect people to honor a contract they never signed you know so you have to understand that that and keep uh not again just keep moving forward pick who you work with be you know open loving but you know pick who you work with and find the right people to surround yourself because people in the middle of the of the flock or the herd make it that's the truth Mm -hmm. totally totally i love that okay uh, higher power, man. We kind of talked a little bit about. We already talked about that. The thing, the the connection. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Just my whole thing is that uh, the most uh, astounding fact. I think it's called. That's really what it is. If you want to go put that in, look up Neil deGrasse Tyson. That is really what I believe in one hundred percent. Yeah. Just it's everything's connected. The universe inside us. I think when you die, you get reabsorbed into the universe. I think that's why there's ghosts. Like yeah. when they have a violent death and the transfer is kind of fucked, yeah. your spirit ends up staying here. It's like I I do believe that's you know that's what I believe in. I don't believe anything is one hundred percent. I don't think you know one hundred percent of the good you know good things happen to good people i think sometimes good things happen to bad people and sometimes bad things happen to good people you know it's you know it it does happen but you know that doesn't mean everything is negative you know it's just like you do the best you can yeah and that's really what i believe yeah treat people how you want to be treated it's really simple yeah that's it's it's easy it's just easy. Be kind. Yeah, be kind. Be kind. It's much easier yeah. to go through life being kind yeah. than trying to fuck your fellow man. And it feels good. Yeah. Here's the thing. It feels good. Yeah, I be... like helping out other people. And that's my last question. Like, how's your favorite way of being of service? I like doing commitments. I like doing charity work. I like doing charity through sobriety. I like doing charity shows in sobriety. I hate doing charity shows in regular charities. Because I just feel a certain kind of person comes to that show, want to be like, we're going to do good. And then you get out there, you're like, so I smoke crack with this guy. And they're like, ah, you know. <laughs> but in, in, in sobriety, the, the charity crowds are much better, much more open to uh, whatever you want to talk about. So I try to do that. And, uh, you know, I just try to help people. I want to do more. I'd like to do more. You know, my, my career is something that I'm a CEO 24-7. I have to literally oh, yeah, force myself to, mm-hmm. to not do anything on Wednesdays, which is a weird day not to do anything. Yeah, it's a good... In the middle of the week, but... Yeah, good comedy day usually. It is. I mean, I, I can do shows. Yeah. But I mean, in terms of like, I don't do podcasting okay. on Wednesdays. I don't do really any business shit on Wednesdays, which is a really weird... Unless I get an important email I have to address, I don't do anything. Okay, I don't Self-care. go re- right with people. I just... And it's very hard for me to do, but I take that day off. And But I, I, if I'm blessed to get a couple things going and money starts, I'd like to do charity work. Like I'd like to work with, you know, the homeless work with, I want to work with men in sobriety a lot because I do feel yeah. like when a man has a drug problem, I was like fend for yourself. And it's just like, you know, women and children first. And I think men get discounted a lot because we're supposed to be the tough guys and the, you know, and like, I think there's this notion that if a man's in a bad place, it's by choice. Yeah. And that there's, with women and children, that there's, they've been manipulated and let down by a man and a man in society. And hmm. there's more of a rush to help it, you know? And that's just my opinion. And I think there's guys out there who just can't get anybody to help them because, you know, this is everybody's macho. Well, we have to be vulnerable. 
when we're when we're asking for help, whether it's that like prayer, you know, God please yeah. help me, or whether it's that that you know a phone call or going to a meeting or sharing what's really going on, that requires a vulnerability that typically like socially we don't teach men to embrace. One hundred percent. Like men, I was talking about this in another meeting I go to. It's just like men can't deal with heartbreak we are not geared not that yeah. women are good with heartbreak but they seem to have more of a a, a system put in place to deal with yeah. it you know like yeah. they they get a new haircut they start working out <laughs> they get a gay friend who tell you know like <laughs> i'm a survivor you know yeah. and there's this whole and guys are just like crash and burn and they usually crash and burn until somebody comes and picks them up and dusts them off, you know? This but what is, happens when nobody comes and dusts you off? Exactly. This is what I, I tell my, my friends, my especially, well, normies and, and, you know, folks, you know, in the program is that, okay, so you're going to, you're going to break up and then you're going to go through like a fuck rampage. And if you're a drinking guy, you're probably going to drink too much. Um, if you're a sober guy, you're probably going to spend too much money on clothes, go to the gym too much, try to get ripped, have an existential crisis, realizing that none of those things help you get any closer to yourself. Yeah. Start crying. Yeah. End up going to your therapist for the first yeah. time, but you don't want to tell Can anybody that. Do bet. Mexicans do therapy a lot? That's a good question. I'm I'm like the whitest Mexican you've ever met. My I'm half white and my grandmother is a therapist. And I know that when I needed that help when I was younger, my dad was like real he had like a real weird vibe about it. So I'm gonna say probably not. I don't think black people go therapy. I know uh, that I always ask in the middle yeah. crowd, everybody's asshole puckers up. Yep. Because they just hear the word black. They're like, oh, no. no, you're going to make them go through separate entrances, aren't you? No, that's <laughs> just a question. Just like black, Latinos, yeah. never. It's like, dude, just handle your shit, you know? They're also, uh, culturally, there's more emotions on the surface, I feel like, with the Latino and, and black community. So you're going to get a lot more like, let's, let's feel this shit in the fucking moment. You know, uh, a lot more like aggressive display of what you're actually feeling in real time. Oh, interesting. And then a faster turnaround. So it's not like you're bottling it all up. You know, interesting. Um, the, interesting. Yeah. So, but we, anywhere Catholicism is, there's probably a lot of like suppression of, right. of feelings. I was raised with no religion, probably deliberately. Yeah. So, like, I was pretty much too. Yeah. So I, I'm not sure. That's it. That's an excellent question. But yeah, I, I think guys have to go through this whole roller coaster. And I watched my dad go through it. It was like he broke up with his with his wife, and then she, you know, and then she, he had to go through this like weird crisis of faith, and then suddenly was like super Mexican and very into being Latino, and then he gets remarried, and you know all this stuff. So we're gonna have these roller coasters, and it's totally okay for men to go through them. Yeah. And so what, what kind of a weird thing I've I've found is I've you know comedies well there's a lot of men so i've become sort of this person that guys get real with so there's usually those conversations i'm having on the comedy store What's, patio or yeah. like stuff about like well my girlfriend said this and what do you think and i don't know how to feel about this and it's stuff they're not going to share with other men yeah so it's kind of a weird like okay you know what i try to do when people share with me is i try not to uh transmit my feelings and what's going on in my life. I think just, that's hard for guys too. To be like, yeah. oh, dude, this is so hard. Yeah, you think it's hard for you. Imagine being me. And I'm like, I hate when people do that shit to me. I'm like, yeah. I'm trying to talk to you about what's going on in my life right now. And I just wish you would just let me emotionally throw up on you. And you don't have to solve the problem. Yeah. Just let me talk it out in my head. 
It's very hard for guys to do that because they're like, yeah, well, you don't know. I had to go through that. It's like that's not what I'm talking about. Sometimes you just got to let it get out, and it's very interesting. I, I'm very much, when people are trying to talk to me about the problem, I very much make sure I don't throw my situation, my life into it, and I just hear what they have to say, yeah. which is what a therapist is. And some people can't afford therapy or don't understand therapy or see therapy as like a pussy-ass shit. Well, it's it's a it's a gift that we give. Like listening is something we can give to people, and to hold a, a space of safety for somebody to really feel yeah is an I incredible thing. I get that for you sure. Know? And it's I think it's really cool that you know you're you're the guy that'll go out on stage and you know be aggressive and and be the guy that you are, and then off stage you could be the guy who's like yeah I want to hear I want to hear save your the feels. rage for the stage save it for the stage. That's amazing. Thank you so much, Sam, for this. this Anytime, Anna. You're a wonderful human being. Aww. I appreciate you having me on your show. Aww. Sorry it took so long to make it happen. No, it was perfect. Thank you so much. Everything happens when it's supposed to happen. Everything happens my, for a reason. Well, not just that. My, I, what blew my mind is when I figured out, wait a minute, if, um, if it wasn't God's will, then it wouldn't have happened at all. No, I'm with you on that one. <laughs> it is. It's true on that one. It's very interesting. Maybe that red light was supposed to be run. Yeah. I don't know. Yep. Maybe no, maybe there's no such thing as mistakes at all. Maybe that's the journey I was supposed Everything to be on. Everything happens for a reason. Yeah. You're the I best. I respect that. You're the best, Thank too. you so much. Always a pleasure. Okay.